So this morning, I, I want to preach a message to you uh, that is birthed out of two places. It's birthed out of a Sabbath day of rest and a sermon. Um, first of all, have you ever been so tired that you can't sleep? Have you ever been that tired? That you, it's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? it you, you, you say, I, I'm so tired that I can't sleep. And it doesn't make sense, but I had gone through a spell where I had not, um, I had not stopped in a while. And I had had some late nights, and I wasn't sleeping well, and uh, it, it had gotten so bad that, folks, when you live on adrenaline long enough, uh, that you lay in bed, and instead of sleeping, even though you're tired, you go, <gasps> and you fall asleep, and then you wake up. It's like, why am I jumping? I'm not afraid. I don't know what's wrong. Are you having bad dreams? No, I'm just jumping awake. It's like your body will push you awake again. And uh, I, I was exhausted, so my lovely wife and I, mostly my lovely wife, folks, I can't live without my wife, without April. I can't do it. She's like, you're having a day off, we're making a day off, and everything that come up, she was like protective of it that day. No, nobody's taking, dad's taking a day off. And, and uh, you know what, I'm, I, I, I confessed this in the first service, and I'm going to confess it in this service. You ready? I fell asleep the night before my day off at about 11 o'clock or so, hoping that I could sleep. And when I fell asleep, I woke up the next day at 1030 in the morning. Oh, I'm not done yet. (laughs) I woke up at 1030 in the morning. I looked at the clock and I thought, good grief, I need to get out of bed. Now, some of you are probably thinking, preacher, living preacher, banker hours don't do anything. You probably, I get, listen, folks, I'm up usually between 6 and 630 every morning and here most of the time close to 7. So I, I, I keep a pretty good schedule. Trust me on that. But This day, I I laid there, and I looked at the clock, and I thought, it is 10.30. I need to get out of bed. (laughs) I woke up at 11.17 in the morning, like this. (gasps) And I got up, and I come down the hall. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I looked at April. I said, I am so sorry. I have slept half the day away. What happened? I haven't slept like this since I was a teenager. And I felt really, I, I slept so long I felt bad about it. Uh, but I got up and I, I made some, I put some Cap'n Crunch together in my, my cereal bowl and at 11.30 in the morning. You know, you got to eat breakfast, it's before noon, so it's 11.30. And I sit down and I had, I had my devotions there at my dining room table, my Bible opened up to me. And, and in my reading today, the passage that in reading that day is the passage that we're going to be talking about this morning. And, and the Lord spoke to me about it, secondly, because of a sermon I'd heard. I heard a message from David Ravenhill, probably it's been about, I'm going to guess, seven years ago, maybe a little longer, I don't know. And uh, as I read this passage, everything just come back to me that he had spoken. Now, when David preached it, it's a phenomenal preacher, if anybody knows who David is, but he's awesome. Uh, he preached it for an hour and a half. I'm not going to do that to you today. Uh, and I'm not going to preach his message. If I was going to preach his message, it'd be way better than what I'm preaching. But, but the root of the message sunk into my heart. I remember, listen, folks, if you remember a sermon from seven years ago, that's God. Some of you, if I said, hey, how many of you remember what I talked about last week? You're going to be like. And the people who take notes will go. If I said no notes, you all be struggling. It's okay. I've done the same thing. But so, so in this, isn't it a coincidence that in a day of rest, the Lord reminded me of a message from seven years ago as I read through this passage and encouraged my heart to share the importance of it with you today. Is that all right? 
It's important for us because, listen folks, we are in the middle of summertime. And summertime is a time when people say, finally, vacation. Finally, a little downtime. But you know what? Has anybody ever gone on vacation and come back exhausted? I need a vacation to recover from my vacation. Folks, I want you, listen, look at me right here in my eyes and listen close. God loves you. Okay? And this message to you today is a message of restoration. He wants you to be restored. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be effective. He's anointed you to be effective in His kingdom. But we have a responsibility with His anointing to cooperate. Everybody say cooperate. cooperate. To cooperate with God. Amen? God gives us His word and yet we have to cooperate by obeying it. Amen? He gives us promises. For example, honor your mother and father that it may go well with you and you have long life on the earth. In other words, there's a, there's, there's a, a promise that if we obey it, there's a blessing. Right? There's a lot of things in Scripture where God gives us something that if we will obey it and cooperate with Him, we will be blessed because of it. Well, it just so happens to be a coincidence that I've exposed myself to teaching and preaching and I took a Sabbath and God took my restful mind that could hear Him in my heart who had received truth in the past and brought them together into a collision where today's message has come forth. Why? Because he was reminding me of the necessity of maintaining myself. And he wants you to be reminded in this summer time that we're in, not to get lost. Don't, don't, don't declare your independence from God this summer. Amen? Instead, when you do take that vacation or when you do take time off, throw yourself into his presence. Throw yourself into his presence. I, I think back on, on many, many times away where we've gotten away, and we've, whether we've gone to uh, the Smoky Mountains or we've gone to the beach or we've gone other places, and, uh, and how I, just, I, I get out in nature and where God is, and I can just see His beauty in all of it. And it, it just fills me up. It just refreshes me. It refreshes me. You know what? Even when I was in Florida this last year, and this storm that came through and did damage just before the day before we left, I took pictures of this front coming in a shelf cloud, and I was like, "It's coming," you know. And everybody's like, "Get inside!" I could, but I can't. I can't take my eyes off it. It's like a magnet for my eyeballs until the wind hits and. Things are flying around and you go, I probably ought to go inside now. Watch through the window. Just the beauty of all of it. I just, I I love God and I I love seeing the beauty in his creation. But if you look at 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm going to use this passage to kind of illustrate what I think the Lord wants us to say, wants us to hear today. Beginning in verse 1, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. Now, if you're going to ask me to go to the Jordan River and get a pole, I'm not going to go think about working. 
they're doing is, is they're going to cut trees down to build a place. Now, what we, we look at here is we see a worthy work. Isn't it awesome that the, the church grows, the, the, the school of prophets grows, and they said we need more space to gather together. It's a good thing, right? It's a good work. It's a worthy work. Let's go down by the Jordan, a place where people are baptized. Let's go down to a, a place that's spiritual, a place that's holy, and build a place there. That's, that's a good work. But let's see what happens here as we, we look here in verse 5. As one of them was cutting down a tree... The iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. This morning, I want to talk to you about losing your cutting edge and how God wants to restore your cutting edge. This morning I'm going to speak in some symbolism. I get that. I understand. Pastor, you may be twisting scripture, pulling things out of context. You can say whatever you want. That's fine. I don't care. This message is still true and it's vitally important. I'm going to compare the the axe head to the cutting edge or an anointing that's given to a prophet. You say, how can you do that? The anointing is simply a tool. Amen? It's a tool to propel the purpose that that you're doing to do the good work. Right? And that's what God's called us to. And as we look in here, I want to give you five points, five quick points that we can glean from this this morning. Everybody said, good Lord, usually it's three and we're here for like 45 minutes to an hour. We got five today. Hold on to your horses. First of all, the anointing is borrowed. It's borrowed. Second Kings 6, 5, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The axe did not belong to him. He had to ask somebody for it. And somebody out of the good mercy in their heart gave it to him to use. It wasn't his. You know, our anointing is borrowed. Any gift that God gives us is not our own. It's from God. And it's a gift to be used. And it's to be used for the purpose of the kingdom. It's, used, it's given to be used wisely and for His glory, not for our glory. You know what? I, it, it gets my, I don't know, gets me worked up when I see people in Pentecostal and charismatic circles who have a great gift and everybody holds them up and says, this person's great, this person's great. And then that person begins to think they're great and they begin to show off and let people know how good they are. The reality of it is this. When was the last time you went and borrowed a really cool tool from somebody and then went around the community and said, hey, look what I borrowed. Ha <laughs> ha. No, we only do that when we think it's ours. Look what I bought. See my new car? You know what I just got a picture of when I did this in my head? Do you remember those those the Shriners that ride those little three-wheel things around? You think they're gonna be in the are do they still do that in the parade? They don't do it anymore? I miss that. Because it made it intense. You're on the, on the curb, and that's when mom's like pulling their kids from the curbs, and the Shriners are going, in circles running over toes. Guys in the things with the tassels, that's awesome anyway. If I had one of those little three-wheeled motorcycle things, I'd be showing that bad boy off during the parade today. What was I talking about? Oh, Yeah. It's talking about showing off stuff that's borrowed. We don't show off borrowed stuff. 
We show off things that we think are ours. You know, when we remember that the anointing is borrowed, we don't get pride-filled and full of ourselves. We don't act like it's all about us. You know, 1 Corinthians 14.32 says, The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Yeah, they're sub- Pastor, the, the spirits of the prophets, yeah, they're subject to control. Just like an axe, a borrowed axe is in control of your hand. What are you going to do with it? It doesn't mean you own it. You didn't muster up some anointing within yourself. You didn't go out and purchase it. You didn't go. Remember what happens when you try to purchase the anointing? Anybody read the book of Acts? You can't do that. You can't own it. It's a gift from God. It's borrowed. Secondly, the anointing, even though it's a gift, it must be maintained. It's got to be maintained. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Folks, listen, you can tell when an axe head gets loose. Anybody ever used an axe or a sledgehammer or anything and it get loose on you? How many of you stopped work and went back to the house and wedged it? Or did you just do this, wait till it gets to the end and go, conk, conk, good as new. <laughs> you know when it's getting loose, it's not a mystery, my axe head is loose. And yet we continue on and continue on with things. This guy was irresponsible. Instead of stopping and wedging it back in like it's supposed to in the right way, he just kept going like he's Superman, and then he backswings and the axe head flies off into the water. Well, then he's worried about it being borrowed. When worried about taking care of the axe head... When it was still on there, Pastor Mark always used to say this. He used to say it to his kids jokingly. Boy, I'm going to beat you like a rented mule. <laughs> Remember him saying that all the time? Beat you like a rented mule. And I, and I thought about that one day and I, it really hit me funny because I thought, well, yeah, somebody would beat a rented mule. It's rented. They don't own it. You can beat a rented mule all you want. It's just yours for a few hours. Just beat it, man. You got nothing invested. It's the same reason people abuse rental cars. It's only mine for a little bit, man. Drive it. See how fast she'll go. You know, things that are rented, unfortunately, in our nature, things that are borrowed, we don't take very good care of them. But we're called to maintain the anointing of God. I remember when I was a kid, I watched a Jerry Lewis movie. Why we had Jerry Lewis movies in, in our house, I have no idea. But I watched a Jerry Lewis movie. It, it, I, folks, I tell you, your IQ will be lower at the end of it than it was at the beginning. <laughs> but there I was, a little chubby kid, watching Jerry Lewis eating a hot dog. And I'd go, <laughs> and that was about as much as it got out of it. This movie called Cracking, Cracking Up, I think. And Jerry would always play all these different characters. And this one, he was playing a character where uh, he was parking cars. He was a valet service. And, and Jerry, you know, he always kind of... And, and Sammy Davis Jr. pulls up, and he's got all of his rings on. Hey, kid, how you doing, kid? You know how Sammy Davis... He, he pulls up, and he says, you can park my car. And he goes, yes, sir, Mr. Davis, sir, we'll take care of your car, sir. I'll drive it and take care of it just like it was my very own. And he said, you have a car? He said, yeah, it's over there. And when the camera pans over, it's this beat up, rusted out car that's like the bumper falling off when the camera pans to it. And Sammy Davis looks at him, looks back at the car. He says, listen, treat it like it's my car, okay? 
And I think that's, that's the problem is the anointing is from God, but we, we take ownership of it when we shouldn't. We need to treat it like it's God's and not ours. We need to be humble enough to remember who God is in all of this. We need to treat the anointing of God, our cutting edge, like it's His. You know, this prophet could have made his life easier and his work more effective if he would have appreciated his borrowed axe and stopped to maintain it every once in a while. Have you ever heard the, 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 the fable of the old lumberjack and the young lumberjack? Anybody ever hear that one before? Business people probably have because it's a pretty popular business illustration. Young lumberjack, strong, energetic, goes up to the older lumberjack and he says, Hey, he said, how about you and me do a competition to see who can cut the most wood today? And the old guy says, sure. And the young guy thought, I can take this old man. I can take him. No trouble whatsoever. So the morning starts up, and they're both had at it. Whack, whack, whack. Got the axes going, beating on the trees. About an hour into it, the old guy sits down under a tree and has to rest. And the young guy's thinking, I got him. I got him. He can't do it. He doesn't have the energy that I have. So the young guy just boom, 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 pushes away, pushes away. And he does this all day long until the very end of the day when he's just so confident that he had cut more wood than the old guy. And he stops and they begin to count and the old guy had cut more than him. He's like, how is this possible? I worked all day, nonstop. I didn't take a break. I didn't take a lunch break. I didn't take any other break. I was going and yet every, you, you stopped every hour, 15 minutes. And the old man smiled at him and he said, 15 minutes, I sat under that tree. I not only rested my body, but I sharpened my axe. Folks, listen. Sometimes we feel like in the anointing of God, we don't ever have to stop. We don't ever have to be sharpened. We don't ever need anything. It's God. It's God. It's His anointing. I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, that's true. But if you're stupid... Your body lives under a natural law and you have to eat and you have to sleep and you do have to rest. Amen? There's going to be a limit to your effectiveness if you never stop. If you never take a break. If you never breathe. Too many of us live thinking we can go at full speed without rest and still be productive and happy. Let me just throw a few names out there. Elijah. After he destroyed the prophets of Baal then became afraid when a godless woman made a threat on his life and he's under a broom tree in the wilderness begging for God to kill him. He needed to have his head put back on straight. Amen? You ever been there before? You ever not maintained yourself and lost your head? <laughs> or lose your sharpness? You lose your cutting edge? How about somebody that lost their head? Samson. Samson's anointing was his. He just did whatever he wanted, whenever he felt like it. Didn't obey God's laws like he should. Ended up in a bad situation until eventually he was, he, was, he was visiting prostitutes. Why? Because he had been in a, a vineyard that he wasn't supposed to be in. He was in a vineyard killing a lion that he wasn't supposed to be in. He was back in a vineyard around a dead carcass that he wasn't supposed to be around eating honey out of the inside of it in a vineyard that he's not supposed to be in. I wonder why Samson went down a bad trail. Ended up with prostitutes and ultimately in Delilah's lap. I think of King Saul who 
had been anointed king and because of his disobedience, his head not being screwed on straight, openly disobedient, the spirit was pulled from him and a tormenting spirit was sent in his place. Folks, this gift that we receive, we cannot receive it as though it's an inanimate object at Christmas time. This is living. This is something that must be maintained. The anointing is something that must be sharpened regularly. The scripture talks about the fact that, that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Folks, it's got to be sharpened. It's got to be maintained. It's got to be worked upon. It's got to be touched by the hand of God. It's got to be something that we take. I'm not going to be legalistic and tell you that if you don't take a Sabbath every week, that you're going to burn in hell. I'm not going to do that. I'm not even going to be as far as to say if you don't take a Sabbath every week, that God's not going to bless you. I'm not going to do that. But I will tell you this. There will come a moment that you will stop being effective if you don't stop and rest sometime. And when I say rest, I mean more than sleep till 11 o'clock. I mean opening up the Word of God and allowing Him to feed your spirit. If we are not physically, spiritually, and emotionally healthy, you can pretty much erase the effectiveness of God in your ministry. Thirdly, the anointing will be missed and mourned when it's gone. The anointing will be missed. Your cutting edge will be missed and mourned when it's gone. He says in verse 5, Oh my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. This, this prophet called out in anguish because he realized that what he had lost was both borrowed and unretrievable. If you are here, child of God, and you have closet sin in your life, and you are pursuing things behind doors that nobody knows about, and you have a call of God on your life, or if there's a teaching ministry, or if there's an anointing, listen, give it up, turn away from it, repent of it now. Stop. Because the things that God has poured into your life, you're going to miss them when they're gone. You will let out a cry before God and say, Oh God, what's happened? Well, over a lifetime of irresponsibility and refusing to bring yourself before God to be held accountable, it's been lost. You know what blows my mind about this axe head? Is the irresponsibility and the thoughtlessness towards this guy's friends around him. When there's a group of people swinging axes, better be careful. When I was a welder and we traveled and we would be at a foundry and, and, and many of the floors would be opened up, we'd have other crews working above us and below us. You always found out and knew who was above you and who was below you and you never did anything without checking. You're always watching out for the other guy. But how sad is it if you're not going to be willing to maintain your axe and your axe head flies off and it does something worse than just fall into the river? Hear what I'm saying to you this morning. If you don't maintain yourself, you can do damage to your brothers and sisters. If you don't maintain your anointing, you can hurt others badly. You can destroy faith. You can, you can in a sense, send people to hell because of what they've seen in your life. They will give up, quit, and don't want anything to do with faith anymore. We've got to be thoughtful in reality of this because, folks, it's going to hurt when it's gone. It's going to hurt us. And it's going to hurt somebody else. I can promise you that. I've seen it too many times. You want to see one of the most pathetic things there is in your life ever to see? It's somebody, it's a prophet without an anointing. It's a prophet without a ministry. It's somebody that used to have the anointing and now it's gone. 
I'm not talking about people who've, who've left ministry for other lines of work. I'm not talking about people who are serving Christ that got called into a different line. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about somebody who didn't maintain themselves, who allowed themselves to either fall into sin or become physically ill because they didn't take care of themselves. It's sad. I'll never forget years ago was a young man that was, was a, a very well-known uh, minister in our district, a youth minister who was always up in front of people, who was always invited to be up in front of district functions. And, and uh, this has been years ago, folks, 10 years ago probably. And this, this young man allowed himself and his pride to fall into a, uh, an affair with, with a woman there in the church. And it not only destroyed the calling on his life and the ministry, but it also destroyed his family. He was divorced, his children and his relationship with them, and he was fighting and struggling, trying to get back. And I remember years, uh, a few years later, after it had happened, we were at their church there in Indianapolis and, and, and come into a, a district meeting at that place. And I walked in, and they were serving food that day, and I walked in, and I could see him through the kitchen washing dishes in the back. And my heart just broke for him. He turned around and kind of looked at me and just kind of did this and went back to working. Folks, listen, it's not worth it. I, this, young, this young man never did make it back into ministry, I don't think. You know, we can, we can lose something that's precious to us very easily. Very quickly. I've seen it happen too many times. I've seen it take place too many times. We need to guard ourselves. We need to make sure our needs are being met Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Fourthly, we need godly influence in our lives. Look at verses 5 through 7. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh my Lord, he cried out, it is borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. He cried out to the Lord and to the man of God. The man of God came to help and intervene. I don't understand why it is that God sends people into our lives to help restore cutting edge, but He does. God doesn't have to. God's not bound to using people. He doesn't have to, but He chooses to. I don't know why He had to send Ananias to lay hands on Paul for Paul to see, but that was the plan that God had. Multiple times over and over through Scripture, we see where God doesn't have to use people, but He chooses to use people. Listen, it's the same way for you in your life. You need somebody speaking into your life. You've got to have somebody that's got enough guts to stand in front of you and say, no, that's wrong. Or to encourage you when you need encouraged. Folks, listen, we need to have somebody on speed dial. Amen? Call God too, but call a brother or sister that's faithful that can stand with you and pray with you and counsel you. But I'll tell you this, don't only call them when you need something. Amen? Amen. Be a part of their life. In summer, it's the great disappearing act. You know, from church. Listen, folks, again, Take your vacations. Take your time off with your family. But, but don't, don't completely remove yourselves from teaching and preaching. Don't completely remove yourselves from the Word of God. Go on a vacation. Rest, sleep in. Go to amusement parks. Sit by the water. Do whatever it is you want to do. That's fine. But don't delete Christ from your break. 
That's part of your rest that you've got to have. You know, encourage yourself. Build yourself up with a good, strong book. Build yourself up with a good, strong reading of the Scripture. Encourage yourself. We've got to do these things because, as I said, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. God isn't bound to having people do the work, but He chooses to. If you have lost your edge, you need to reconnect to some godly accountability. People always say, I don't have to be in church to be a Christian. Preacher, I don't have to be in church to be a Christian. You're just trying to get me to go to your church, ain't you? No, I don't care where you go to church. I'm trying to get you to go home to the same place I'm going home to. It ain't just about these four walls. Go somewhere so you don't have to go to somewhere. You know, I, had, I, went, I went visited this guy in the hospital multiple times. He's always sick, didn't go to our church, doesn't know the Lord. Every time he gets sick, I go visit him in the hospital. Drive clear to Indianapolis to go visit him. I'm in Indianapolis at St. Vincent's and uh, pray with him. And he looks at his family member and he says, you know what I like about this preacher? I said, what? He's never invited me to his church, not one time. And I spoke up and I said, that's right. You know why? He said, why? I said, because I'm not interested in introducing you to religion. I'm interested in introducing you to my Savior first. I want you to know Jesus. It's not about coming to church. Church is good. And you can come after you get saved, but you need to know Jesus. And he just looked at me. (laughs) Folks, listen. We need to make sure that we've got godly people in our lives that are going to go to us and hold us accountable and speak to us and to make sure that we're part of the body. It's important to be a part of the body. It's important to be a part of the body. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If it wasn't true, then why was it said? If it had no benefit. If it wasn't Holy Spirit inspired, then why is it in the Word of God? If the Holy Spirit spoke it, then why is it vital? You can assemble yourselves together. You don't have to be here. You go on vacation, go to another church. Or you can go on vacation, do your own devotions in your own living room. Assemble yourselves together. Have some time with Christ. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Lastly, the, the anointing can be restored. It can be restored. Even when things are lost, even when things are difficult and hard, the anointing can be restored. Look at 6 and 7. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Three things in closing. They said, wow, I thought he said five. Now that's eight. Three things in closing, and I'm appreciating, I'm glad that you can do math. First of all, we need to point and acknowledge the place that we lost our cutting edge. If you have lost your cutting edge, you need to at least acknowledge, in all honesty and with enough guts, to stop and say, that's where I lost it. It all started there with that conversation. 
It all started there with that moment. It all started there with those words. It started there with that visit. It started there with the situation. It began there. When I lost my cutting edge, it wasn't just when it flew off the axe handle. It was here when I stopped guarding myself. It was here when I stopped maintaining myself. It was here when I stopped opening myself up to counsel and correction and direction. It was here when I did it. At some point, we've got to stop and look back and say, okay, here's where I messed up. This is where I lost it. And I think for us in America, it's so hard for us to do that anymore because we're so concerned with our image and we're so concerned about being right and what everybody else thinks about us. Listen, man, let it go. Just like that little Disney princess. Let it go. You need to humble yourself and realize that you're not perfect You make mistakes, God knows you made mistakes, and God knows where you lost it. And you need to go back and say, that right there I repent of. Listen, the only way you're ever going to find the anointing and get your cutting edge back is the same way you found it. The same way you got it the first time. You have to see your own wickedness, your own selfishness, your own laziness, your own issues and say, God, this is who I am. I come to you as I am. I repent of my flesh again. I should have stopped and I should have wedged in my axe head before I lost my head. And folks... We have to acknowledge what it is that drove us to that place. Some of us, it may be gross sin. Some of us, it may be other things that that even our culture accepts as right. Whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that you bring it back to God and say, it was me, I did this, forgive me. Secondly, after we acknowledge it, we have to apply the branch to the situation. You say, Pastor, it says stick. You said branch. Now, if you want to fight and argue about the difference between a branch and a stick, that's fine. If you're getting beat by your parents and they say, go out and get a stick and you get a branch, there might be a difference. But this morning, for the sake of the point I'm trying to make, I'm going to talk about a branch. He threw a branch into the water over the top of the axe head and the axe head floated. Now, it's not some kind of a magic trick. There's not some kind of a scientific answer. You can take a stick and throw it in the water. It's not like there's some kind of a magnetic pull between wood and ferrous or non-ferrous items. It's not going to float to the top. You cannot make iron be buoyant unless it is beat thin into a certain shape so that the water can, can, uh, you know, physics is going to push down the water, water separate, and then begin to begin. We're not talking about that. An axe head doesn't float unless it's in a boat. Or in a tote. Give me another one. Give me another one. Anybody got another one? (laughs) I don't even note. It doesn't float. And we can focus all that we want to on that axe head floating. But here, let's, let's get it down to its root principle here. A branch was applied and it began to float in a miraculous manner. What is the branch? Well, let's see if the branch has any significance according to these verses. In Jeremiah 23, 5, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a a righteous branch, 
a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the hand. Jeremiah 33, 15, In those days and at that time I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. Zechariah 3, 8, Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. Listen to me, folks. When you go back to that verse in 2 Kings, what you see is a stick that was cut off and thrown in the place of the failure. Hear what I'm saying. The stick was cut off and thrown into the place of the failure. The branch was cut off and thrown into the place of the failure. And a miraculous thing happened. That edge began to float to the top. And then the man of God said, reach out and grab it. You want to get your anointing back? Then you've got to have the branch. Jesus Christ, the one that's been cut off for your sin and mine to be applied to the situation so a miraculous work can take place and you will be restored. All you have to do, thirdly, is just to reach out and to receive it unto yourself, that thing which is impossible, that thing that was lost, that thing that was gone, to simply by faith reach out, get past your mind and your eyes on what you're seeing in the water and saying this thing should even be floating downstream. Why is it hovering right here in the water? And the man of God says, grab it. You can receive it back, child of God. How? By faith. The branch that was cut off, that which is fruitful, Jesus Christ, the only branch, the only vine that you will ever bear fruit through, apply Him to the situation. Believe upon Him and receive back what you've been longing for. Here's the the problem with receiving. Here's the problem with receiving. People have a hard time believing People have a hard time believing. We have to receive it from God. Some people want to create it another avenue. Rather than humbling themselves through repentance and following Christ, they want to, in their pride, build themselves up and move on and think that they they can muster up something on their own. And it's just not possible. Years ago, I had a good friend that was an evangelist that turned away from God and, 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 and uh, had a moral failure. To this day, he won't speak to me. I reached out to him many, many times. And the last thing I heard that he was doing is he, he decided to become a motivational speaker for, for corporate businesses and things. Trying to muster up his gift in something other than Christ. Instead of humbling himself and repenting and allowing by faith God to do something. And listen, folks, the other, the, struggle, the other struggle we have with people is that they can, they can repent. You can have the axe head floating, the, just the restoration there by God presented to them. And then they won't reach out and grab it because they feel like they don't deserve it. It's the saddest thing to stand in a room with someone and to share faith with them and give them an opportunity to receive Christ and the Holy Spirit is there in that moment. They're even moved in it. They're even emotionally moved in all of it and God's working there and you invite them to receive salvation. They're at the very door. All they've got to do is just grab the axe head. It's there. And they tell me this. I've had this happen to me. God will never forgive me. I've done too much. 
spend the next 15, 20 minutes explaining the grace of God and the mercy of God and the opportunity to share scripture and begin to discuss and the person looking in the eye and say, God will have nothing to do with me. Even though they were moved, even though they sensed his presence, even though... And you have to walk out of that room. Mind-blowing. Folks, listen. If God has offered it, it's there to be received by grace. By grace. It's there. All you have to do is receive it. You say, Pastor, how do I receive it? Believe that it's enough. Believe that that axe head really is the axe head. <laughs> Believe that what's offered is truth and just receive it. Father, I receive you as my Savior. Father, I receive back that which is the enemy has stolen from me. Father, I receive back that which I have carelessly squandered by bad decisions. God, I receive back. Listen, with, with, with Samson, he received. How did he receive back the anointing that he had squandered? He received it back by, first of all, asking for it. Yes, he was in chains, he was blinded, he's between pillars, and he asked for it. And he asked for them to move in close to the pillars so that he could stand there. And in his death, he killed more than he had in his life. Folks, listen, God may restore to you some things, doesn't mean he's going to fix all your situations. Sometimes the restoration is ugly, but there's restoration. And you can build and grow on that, amen? There's people in this room being restored right now. Right now, these very words that's coming out of my lips, the Holy Spirit's telling me there are people being restored in this room right now. Because for the first time in a long time, you thought, you know what? God really did forgive me for that. God really has covered that under his blood. It's gone in Jesus' name. Receive it to yourself. Believe upon it. Don't let somebody steal that from you. Yeah, so what? You made a mistake. You got a man of God in front of you saying, grab it. It's there. Receive it today. Receive it unto yourself. Father, we just received today our cutting edge. God, we receive, many of us, God, all of us in this room have lost our heads at times. But Father, today we receive back what you, we have so frivolously lost. We thank you and your mercy and your grace for giving back to us, God, what we've stumbled with, what we've been careless with. Give us rest. Give us the peace of your spirit. And Lord, save souls. Save souls today. If you're here, and you're going to be honest with me, you say, Pastor, my axe head came off. I'll start with this one. See, I never had an axe. Not a believer. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to receive today something borrowed, which is a gift from God. It's called salvation. It comes by the Holy Spirit, work done in your life. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior today, 
Today, I'm ready to believe and receive that. If that's you, would you just simply lift up a hand? We want to pray for you. Amen. I just always want to be clear. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've lost my cutting edge. You know what you've done. You know where you've been. You know what mistakes you've made. I'm not going to ask you all that stuff, but you know what they are. And today, you're ready to receive it back. That's you. Just lift a hand this morning. We want to pray for you. I see that hand. See that hand see it hallelujah amen it's already been done even before you ask it's already been done it's already been done if there's anybody here today and you say pastor I need prayer for something else something specific just lift your hand we want to pray for you as well something different I see that hand see that hand cool awesome we're going to pray for you as well you can put those hands down you look at me for just a second? I, I shared this in the early service, but I want to share it here again. And we're closing. We're about done, folks, so just relax. But this, when I go to prayer summit every year, it never fails within, within the first day or two. I'm there for four days praying. And you can laugh if you want, but it is awesome. Four days. That's all we do is pray. Pray and eat and sleep. It's good. But the first night and the second night, usually there's a group of ministers that will say, I haven't slept in months. Four or five guys, sometimes six, seven, they say, I haven't, I haven't slept. I don't sleep anymore. I'll sleep an hour here. I'll wake up for two hours and sleep for an hour here or there. And uh, every year, get this, God delivers them. He offers them rest and they receive it and they sleep. And without doubt, the next day, there's some ministers that have never been there before. They'll get up the next day and say, I slept last night for the first time. It's the deepest sleep I've had in a year. And what's funny is it's on camp beds. (laughs) Squeaky, noisy, hard. (laughs) Camp beds. And it's a bunch of old preachers, two in a room snoring in camp beds. That's God. Why do I say that? Some of you aren't sleeping. Some of you don't sleep. God wants to give you rest. Some of you don't sleep. God wants to give you rest. So this morning, we're going to just close out with prayer. Um, Anybody that wants to come up and just seek the Lord, please do so. If you raised your hand or if you have special needs that you want prayed for, come on up as I begin to pray. Don't hesitate. Don't be afraid. Don't be silly about that. We're all family here. Amen? We're all family. It's all good. Right? It's all good. God's good. All the time. And all the time? 